You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. Are y'all ready for the message tonight? So we were going to be done with the Achilles heel series, but I'm kind of like tacking this on. It's kind of related. It's kind of not. And the title of tonight's message is this, A Transformed Life. And before we get going with that, I'm going to pray to prepare our hearts, all right? So let's bow. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray as as I speak that you would be the one speaking through me and that our hearts would be open to receive what it is that you have for us. Because the truth is every single person in this room has a next step and you wanna speak that to us. So may we have ears to hear, eyes to see what it is that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the title of tonight's message is A Transformed Life, and I'm gonna get right into it. Point number one is this, followers have a start. Followers have a start. Because if you think about it, for all of us who have believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, for all of us who are a part of the family of Christ, right, we all have a start. There is all a point in our life where the Holy Spirit pulled at our heart, where we felt convicted, or or maybe what it looked like was at beach camp or at winter retreat. Maybe what it looked like was you were talking to your parents when you were younger. For some of you guys, it might have been in the past few weeks or months, but we all had a point, if we are followers of Jesus, where everything started, where we recognize that I cannot do this life on my own. I am not good enough is every single one of us are, you recognize that and you chose to call on Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is what Romans 10, nine through 10 says, and we quoted a ton, but if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there is a moment as we are followers of Jesus that that happens, right? We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth and then, you know, we put a light bulb in the Jesus sign. Everybody goes crazy. It's a celebration. It's a party and it's awesome, right? I think Paul puts it this way. It's a really cool text. It's in Galatians chapter two, verses 19 through 21 and we'll break it down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that before meeting Jesus, he lived by this thing known as the law. And we've talked about that a little bit. We talked about it a lot last winter retreat. But what that was is that's what the Old Testament told us to do. All those laws, there were 613 of them. And what Paul was saying is he was saying that before I met Jesus, I abided by this thing called the law. And I met its requirements. But then I met Jesus 
And we see Paul's miraculous conversion to Christianity in Acts chapter 9. If y'all have never checked that out, it is a really, really cool passage of Scripture. I encourage you to do it. But he's saying, before I met Jesus, I was trying to do it all my own. I was trying to see what I could do for God. And after I met Jesus, I realized it's not what I can do for God, it's what Jesus did for me. It's what Jesus did for me on the cross. Before, it was just me, myself, and I. After, it's the fact that Jesus Christ died. That's what it is, that's the story. We all have a start somewhere. And for some of you guys in this room, you've never had that start. For some of you guys, you've maybe heard the message of Jesus, or maybe you haven't. And you haven't came to a conscious decision that, hey, I actually believe in this message. I believe that Jesus was God's son, and that he came to the earth, and he is God, and he lived a perfect life. And he died for me on a cross and he rose again three days later. And some of you guys either have heard that story or have not and never made the decision to believe and to confess with your mouth that you're messed up and that you need a savior. And so if that's you tonight, my encouragement is that you don't leave this building, that you don't leave your small group tonight without telling somebody and then making that decision because that's the greatest decision that you're gonna make. And that is your start. Your start could be tonight. But for a lot of us, we've made that decision and I think oftentimes we make that decision and then we forget to do anything else after that. So point number two is this, it's that followers are not who they were before. Matthew 7, chapter seven, verses 16 through 20 says this, watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize you. By their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. That's the thing that we have to remember in this passage. It is by their fruit that people recognize the followers of Jesus. It is by the way that they live their life that people recognize the followers of Jesus. And we see this more in the Bible Belt than in other places, but we've got a whole culture of Christianity where as long as you sit your butt in a pew, as long as you go on Sundays and Wednesday nights, you're good. And so what we see is we see that people act one way on Sunday morning and they act another way when they're telling their friend to pray for somebody else on Tuesday night. We see that people act one way when they're here on Wednesday night, but the minute that they get to school on Thursday morning, they're okay talking with profanity. They're okay cussing up a storm. They're okay being rude to people. They're okay disrespecting their parents. They're okay lying to their friends. They're okay partying on the weekend, but then on Sunday morning, they'll be back in church because they need a little bit of Jesus. And here's the problem. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, but your life looks no different than the people that you would bring to one night, are you following Jesus? That's my question to you. Because this is what scripture says. 
Scripture says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What are we saying? Whoever doesn't take up their cross, what does that mean? When a person took up a cross in Jesus's day, it was to die. That's what it was for. You don't take up a cross to go bring it to lunch with you on Sunday afternoon after church. You don't take up a cross to go get in your car and go hang out with your friends. No, you take up a cross to die. That's, that's what it was. What is Jesus saying? Whoever does not take up their cross, whoever does not put their self to death, whoever does not say, to death with my preference, to death with my time, whoever does not put their greed to death, whoever does not put their selfishness to death, are they following Jesus? Followers of Jesus should look different than before they followed him. Their life should look different. Now, is God demanding perfection? Absolutely not, because if he was demanding perfection, why would Jesus need to be here? So for some of you guys, you need to release the fact that it is by my works that I obtain salvation, because that is not the gospel. But for some of you guys, you need to take a good look at your life and realize that my life does not look anything like what scripture says, yet I tell people I follow Jesus. So I am doing a disservice to them because I am making this out to be way easier than it is. I'm showing people that to follow Jesus, you don't have to actually do anything. You don't have to change anything. And so people see your life and then they can wonder, oh, well, what's the point of even following Jesus? You don't act any different than I do. You're still way ruder than I am. The minute that a bad thing comes up in your life, you're still just as anxious as I am. You're still just as worried as I am. You still have the same issues as me. So what's the point? Followers of Jesus should look different. They should look different. They should speak to others differently. They should love others differently. Followers of Jesus shouldn't cling to their time. A surrendered person probably looks like a person who has a lot of interruptions in their day. A surrendered person probably looks like a person who pays better attention than a lot of us do when the other people are talking. A surrendered person probably looks like somebody who is a really good listener. A surrendered person probably looks like somebody who wakes up in the morning to pray. A surrendered person is probably a person who when somebody says, hey, I need prayer, you don't just say, oh yeah, I'm praying for you, and then you don't. Followers of Jesus should look different. They are not who they were before. They are not. There's a Bible theologian who says this, it is not merely the wicked, the bearer of poison berries that will be cut down, but the neutral, the man who bears no fruit of positive virtue must also be cast into the fire. Do you guys know what God does with lukewarm people? Do y'all know? He spits them out. 
And what we have is we live in a culture where you can be lukewarm, meaning you can say one thing and live a different way. And that's okay. We have a culture where as long as you go to to church on Christmas and Easter, you're good. We have a culture that's more tied to the church that they attend to than the laws that scripture speaks about. So what am I telling you guys? I'm telling you guys to examine your life. Do you have to be perfect? No. Are we ever going to be perfect? No. Was Jesus perfect? Yes, that's where I start. I start at the cross, the fact that Jesus died for me, the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life and now he has allowed me because of his death to have right standing with God. I cling to the fact that Jesus has done that and because of Jesus, I now have Emmanuel, God with me. But I also recognize that if I look the same as I did before I started following Jesus, there's something wrong and I need to change it. If I don't love people like I should, I need to change it. If I don't care for people like I should, I need to change it. Start with the fruits of the Spirit. Is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in my life? Are they there? Are they present? Because a good tree will bear fruit. A good tree will bear good fruit. But bad trees are gonna bear bad fruit. Is my life constantly plagued by bitterness? Is my life constantly plagued by selfishness? Is my life constantly plagued by greed? Look at your life. And this is for me too, y'all. I want you to recognize that if I don't continue growing in my walk, then I am doing it wrong. So followers are not who they were before. This is another scripture, Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I'm gonna put this in modern day terms, okay? A lot of people are gonna say to God, Lord, Lord, did we not sit in the chews of Renovation Church every single Sunday and Wednesday? Lord, Lord, did we not post on Instagram when somebody says, repost if you love Jesus, pass over if you love the devil? People are gonna say, Lord, Lord, did we not give 10% when my people gave me a lot of Christmas money? Do you see what I'm saying? It's easy to be in a spot where we are comfortable and our lives look comfortable and they don't look surrendered because this is what Romans 10, 9 says. It says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And there's a whole lot of people who will say that Jesus is my savior, but don't live like he's their Lord. Because a Lord demands something of his people, demands obedience, demands surrender, demands their time, demands their heart. So if you don't know where to start, ask yourself, is Jesus the Lord of my life? Is he the Lord? And this is point number three. It says, followers are not there yet. 
So I have an example for you guys, okay? So, um, <laughs> I'm gonna ask my sixth grade girls, okay? Sixth grade girls, would you guys rather have $5 million right now or at the end of this month have a penny that doubles every day? A penny? A penny that doubles every day? It kind of double. It humbles you. Yeah. Are you? But is it going to be more money though? Yes. In the future, yeah. But no, no, no. I'm talking about a penny that doubles every day for a month. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, still. still? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Five million dollars? Raise your hand if you're on the five million dollar train. Raise your hand if you're on the penny that doubles every day for a month. So I'm gonna tell you guys something, all right? March happens to be a 31-day month. So for the $5 million people, I'll give you your $5 million after service. But on April the 1st, y'all catch what day that is? On April the 1st, I will give all my month people $10,737,418 and 20 cents. I want you, and if you guys got a question with it, if y'all got a question with it, you can go home and double it. Understood? That's what you can do. You can check it, all right? Check the facts. But the $5 million people, you lose. The 31-dayers, you'll win, all right? What am I saying with this example, though, right? Craig Groeschel says this. What you do every day is turning you into the person you will become and leading you into the life you will live. So if you wanna be a strong follower of Jesus 10 years from now, what are you doing today? There's a principle in scripture, it's you reap what you sow. And what that means is what you plant today, you will see in harvest in the future. Remember, Jesus says a good tree will bear good fruit, right? Well, here's the thing. When the seed goes into the ground of a good tree, it takes time to sprout, right? So when you reap the seed, the sowing comes later, right? But I want you to think about this. When, if I were to take an apple seed and plant an apple tree and there's a bunch of apples and then those apples fall and then those seeds fall into the ground and let's just say that every apple seed makes an apple tree, right? I start with one apple seed. How many more apple trees am I gonna have the next time? Like a bunch, right? Because every single seed is gonna grow something. It's gonna grow a tree. So here's the principle. You reap what you sow, you actually sow more than what you reap. Because if I plant one seed into the ground, there's a multitude of fruit that comes from it. And then from that multitude of fruit, that's a multitude of seeds. And then from that comes more and more and more. There is exponential increase the same way that there is with the penny. The penny over the long haul is so much more than the immediate gratification of the money up front. What am I telling you guys? Followers are not there yet. Followers of Jesus recognize that if I wanna get to the place in the future where I am a strong follower of Jesus, where my prayer life is sound, where I can trust in the promises of God, what I do today matters, and not only does it matter just a little bit, it matters a lot because it is going to be a huge deal in the future. The habits that I build today are vastly important tomorrow. So don't think 
that because you're in middle school, your time, it, it doesn't matter until you get to high school. Or if you're in high school, it doesn't matter until you get to college. Or if you're in college, it doesn't matter until you have a real people job. What you do today matters. Followers are not there yet. They are continuing to grow. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter three. But whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I wanna know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying is in this passage is right before it, he was talking about how he has all these credentials. If we were to look at now, Paul would be like the PhD doctor that's got the million dollar house with all the cars. He's got the kids that are doing good. He's got the dog that's all cool and it's probably like a golden doodle or one of them bougie allergenic hypo dogs. You know what I'm talking about? Something that costs a lot of money and it is crazy, right? So Paul is your pedigree guy. He's the guy that you're striving for. And what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that all of that stuff is garbage compared to knowing Christ Jesus. And then what does Paul say? Paul says that he has literally lost everything, and that's the thing. Paul has been imprisoned, he's been beaten, he's lost his home, he's been moved around all these different places. He floats from prison to prison. Not only that, he's actually writing this letter from prison. But then what does he say? He says, I'm not done yet. I haven't made it yet. Some translations say, that I'm working towards the upward call of Christ. This translation says the heavenward call of Christ. Paul is saying that although my life has changed, I am still growing today. Although my life looks different than it did yesterday, it's not gonna look the same as it does tomorrow. The challenge is simple, RSM. Evaluate your life. Look at your life. If there are things that need to change, change them. And recognize by doing those little things and continuing to stay consistent, develop good habits like what we talked about last series. And if you do that, your life today is gonna look better than it did yesterday. You following Jesus today is gonna be better than yesterday. But you stay consistent and tomorrow is gonna be so much better it doesn't mean that circumstances get easier. It doesn't mean that things don't happen anymore. It means that you're able to cling to the promises of God better when those things happen. It means that you're able to trust that the Lord is good and that he's faithful because every single day you practically take time to be quiet and remember God's faithfulness. 
It means that when hard things come and when you're scared, you can remember that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind because you took the time to write that out over and over again to cling to that promise of God. You remember that I am not done yet, so I'm gonna do what David says in Psalms 139. I'm gonna say, search me, O God, and know me, and see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. These are all things that happen, and what do they do? They grow us into the person that God wants us to be in the future. I'm gonna leave you with a story, it's from Spain. In the 15th century, Spain was on top of the world, right? They were on top of the world with everything and their coins kind of reflected this um, arrogance that they had. They were pretty arrogant back in the day. And what did their coins say? They said, ne plus ultra, which means nothing further. There is nothing further for us to gain. We've got it all figured out. There is nothing left for us to conquer. And then guess what happened? Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, right? And then they meet the new world. There is a whole new world out there for us to discover. And what did they do? They had to eat their words. And all of a sudden, their coins went from saying nothing further to more beyond. What am I saying? I'm saying that God has new worlds out there for you, but you are too busy saying that there is nothing further from me. God has new endeavors for you. God wants to take you to bigger places than you could ever imagine. But if your life continues to look the same that it did before you started following him, you're never gonna get there. There is more beyond this. The call is upward, as Paul says. The call is heavenward. Remember that. Remember that without Jesus, I am nothing. So I'm gonna recognize that I can't obtain this on my own. But because of Jesus, my life can look different. Because of his sacrifice, I'm gonna give my life up. And I'm gonna take up my cross. I'm gonna put my preferences to death. I'm gonna surrender my life. I'm gonna surrender my time. It's simple, y'all. So remember that, and as you go into small groups, what I want you to do is I want you guys to talk about it. Hey, first and foremost, have I asked Jesus into my heart? And then for for the rest of us, what am I doing? Does my life look like I'm following Jesus? If it does, I want you to talk about some good habits. Here's some things in my life that that are good. And if it doesn't, I want you guys to identify with your small group. Here's some things that I need to change. And I'd like to ask for my small group's prayer. And I'd also like to ask for you guys' support. And then as small group people, I want y'all to hold each other accountable. So I'll pick on on Jeffrey, because Jeffrey's not in a small group. But if Jeffrey were to come into small group and say, hey y'all, I've been struggling because I told my mom that I've been going to school, but I've been cutting class to go play field hockey. (laughs) 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 To play field hockey. So Jeffrey's been cutting class to play field hockey. Obviously he needs to stop lying to his mom and he needs to go to class. So his small groups, he's gonna tell you guys that. And next week, you're gonna check in on him. If you're like, Jeffrey, 
you don't have any field hockey rug burns on you anymore, so did you stop playing field hockey and skipping school? And he's like, yes. And that's it. <laughs> so, go check in with your small groups. I want you guys to be real with each other, all right? Y'all are dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.